Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Like so many of the heroes of church history, the patristics are often invoked but seldom actually read. They're often referenced but seldom actually quoted. Though they are at the heart of traditionalist sloganeering, they have, in fact, only rarely actually contributed to the traditions they supposedly have inspired. Today, they are the great unknowns. These church fathers. Even in those communions which place much emphasis on apostolic succession, the Catholic, Orthodox, Anglican, and Copt, there is scant knowledge of those who succeeded the apostles. Their lives and words and works are seldom more than anecdotally revered. The irony of this goes beyond the obvious. Theoretically, the patristics continue to be appealing to us. Uh, We repeat the pious reforming litany. Let's get back to the pattern of the early church. Let's restore the integrity of primordial worship. Let's strip away the accumulated layers of traditional practices, rituals, and ceremonies. Somehow, we imagine that the patristics support us in this. We suppose them to be simplistic, primitive, and primal. So we are often surprised to discover them to actually be complicated, refined, and mature. The fact is, the writings of the patristics are eminently readable and widely available. The earliest Christians were both literate and literary. Uh, They were people of the book and of books. As a result, their refined letters, sermons, tracts, commentaries, manifestos, credos, dialogues, proverbs, epigrams, and sagas were carefully preserved and anthologized, preserved through all the centuries. Uh, Their harried and persecuted lives during the imperial epoch uh, made uh, those who came afterwards take solace in their pastoral wisdom. The pioneering medievals grounded their worldview on patristic foundations throughout the whole era of Christendom. The reforming Protestants carefully considered their precepts during the tumultuous days of the Reformation. Indeed, nearly every generation of Christians through the end of the 19th century made a study of their ideas an elementary aspect of classical education. Athanasius was one of the giants of the church's patristic age. As a young deacon from Alexandria, he attended the first ecumenical council at Nicaea, where he took a leading role in shaping the Nicene Creed. His bold defense of the doctrine of the Trinity against the Arian heresy demanded his attentions throughout his whole life. 
He was also involved in various conflicts in the arena of politics, the arts, liturgical renewal, monastic development, New Testament canonicity, and judicial reform. He wrote several important works, including biographies, commentaries, systematic theologies, and devotional treatises. His short classic, On the Incarnation, is still a staple of any solid theological education. If there is any single individual who might be credited with preserving the Christian faith from the rising waves of heresy during the fourth century, it would surely be Athanasius. But despite a life filled with furious activity and controversy, it was for his personal piety and humble faith that he earned for himself the epitaph Athanasius Contramundum, or Athanasius against the world. Long seasons of prayer and fasting punctuated his life with an air of humility and faithfulness that his opponents simply were unable to match. Thus, for all his accomplishments, perhaps the most notable feature of his life was the way he dealt with the grave hurts inflicted upon him by his friends his fellow pastors, and even members of his beloved congregation. Over the years, he was exiled from Alexandria seven different times, variously betrayed, falsely accused, slandered, threatened, and attacked. He suffered one indignity after another throughout his life. Late one evening in 356, nearly 5,000 Byzantine troops surrounded the church of uh, St. Theonius in the Egyptian city of Alexandria. Inside, Athanasius was leading an all-night prayer vigil. When the troops burst through the doors, he was reading Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. Amazingly, the members of his congregation, in all the confusion of the moment, managed to spirit him away, out of the city and out of danger. George of Callistus, once a dear friend and confidant, but now an ardent Arian, had been sent with imperial authority to assume the pastorate. He unleashed a spate of persecution. Sixteen other pastors were banished from Alexandria. Using terror and murder, George tried to force an Arian creed on the people. A price was placed on the head of Athanasius, aged searched everywhere for him, bribes or threats, one over many. Eventually, though, uh, George was ousted, Athanasius returned, only to be subjected to similar assaults again and again and again. Somehow, though, he suffered the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and he never became bitter. He never abandoned his call to faith. He never abandoned the church. He never abandoned the people who had betrayed him time and time again. Perhaps that is why Gregory of Nazianzus, another of the great patristics, hailed Athanasius as the pillar of the church. 
Athanasius understood only too well the cost and yet the necessity of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information, for resources, and for a brand new comprehensive app, go to georgegrant.net or to adoringgod.org.